Hello, welcome to the Working Unit Tests podcast. I am Matt Dean, and today we are only a few days away from Christmas. That's right, it's only a couple days away. I hope you have all of your Christmas shopping done. I mostly have mine done. A couple things remaining, couple last things on the list to do. <laughs> but yes, only a few days away until Christmas, and today we're gonna be talking a little bit about Christmas. But first, something that bothered me with the previous episode was I talked about Log4j to quite some extent, but I didn't quite cover a small but important factor that I probably should have, and it bugged me. I, after I published the episode, I was like, man, I, I am missing an important factor here that I should probably uh, bring to you guys um, and gals uh, for our next episode. So, so the thing that was bugging me, uh, talking about Log4j, uh, and you might be wondering this now, is why are we still hearing about this in the news? Why is this an ongoing thing to solve? Well, how come it doesn't, you know, just get fixed after a couple days, right? You know, what's, what's going on? Well, well, what's been bothering me is explaining a little bit about dependencies and why that's actually the big factor here. For reference, if I make a package about sorting stuff or searching for strings, whatever that may be, uh, I'm going to make a package and I'm going to use this log4j in it somewhere. Uh, I use this package, I'm like, oh, this is cool, this is out there, the world can use it, this is great, and it works, right? The problem doesn't show itself now. If I need to update log4j, I just update it, and I'm good. And I'm using it, and that's fine. The problem is uh, Joe Schmo, another random person on the internet, makes a different package that is maybe a little bit more abstract version of sorting or searching or something else that uses it, and they will reference my package in their package. So now all of a sudden, if there's a log4j problem, I need to update my search sort thing and then send the update out. But then also Joe Schmo has to accept my new update and update his package. You can probably imagine how quickly it'll take for applications upon applications, dependencies upon dependencies that rely on each other to roll out an update that is probably very easy to fix, but the catch is it has to go through so many dependencies to actually get out to you guys. So the, 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 the problem right now, where we're at right now in the landscape of Log4j, this is as of December 21st, to my knowledge, uh, I may be behind the times already, <laughs> but with what I'm familiar with, uh, the, the, the game right now is everyone's trying to update their libraries, their dependencies, and accept any weird side effects that'll happen, fix them, roll out their update, all while the bad guys, the hackers, are trying to make use of this big window to cause problems. <laughs> and so this this leads to a fun, a fun game. Uh, not really fun, it's a little stressful, especially right before Christmas. So if you are working uh, in the industry associated with Log4j on your to-do list items, I want to commend your efforts uh, and, and and basically, good luck, uh, good luck, my friend. Uh, may may this go smoothly uh, for you, as as smooth as it can go, at least. Enough about that. 
that was bothering me for a couple days. So <laughs> looking ahead, Christmas, only a few days away. Something I thought would be a cool topic to cover as we go up to Christmas coming up. Uh, Christmas is the time of gift giving and sharing warm times with family and friends. So in terms of development, something I thought could be pretty cool is a couple of gifts that you can give yourself for Christmas as a software developer. Here are a couple of very handy principles or tools or options or ideas. I'm not sure what you want to call them, but it's a thing that you can use today and start implementing this now. And this will help you moving forward. And your future self is going to thank you for the gift you're giving them right now. <laughs> a little bit of effort now for a lot of smooth sailing down the road. All right, okay. So this is, you know, my first go at a Christmas episode. I think this is pretty cool. Imagine each of these in a little box with like a, a bow that you open and you're like, hey, look, I did this six months ago. I'm so glad I started doing that because now this makes my job super easy today, right? Very important. The first thing uh, is you might have heard a couple of these from a couple of different books, some from uh, Clean Code from Robert C. Martin or uh, Pragmatic Programmer by David Thomas and Andrew Hunt. And that being said, if you are looking for physical, actual gifts, either for yourself or for other developers, you know, one of those two books, man, that's great. <laughs> I am not sponsored, but those books are great. I would recommend you check them out. The first thing I'm gonna talk about here is uh, making things easy to change. This is very generic, pretty general, at least with how I'm describing it right now. And that's pretty intentional. The point for this is to make sure that it's, it's vague enough that you just have it top of mind as you're developing and hopefully that leads to better practices moving forward. A couple others are a result of making things easy to change that I'm gonna talk about in a moment. So a couple things, make components or processes or methods or what have you easy to change. Build them in such a way where if you had to change something, how easy would that be to make this change? That would in probably involve making your functions very small, lots of little functions that call each other, way better than one giant mega function. Way better. The next principle here I'm gonna talk about uh, is the dry principle, which you, I've definitely heard in one of these books. If you find yourselves repeating things, make a utility file, a method, a new component, something. Dry stands for don't repeat yourself. <laughs> So, so don't repeat, don't duplicate code. If you have code and it's duplicated, you're doing something wrong. <laughs> and and if, you, if you see this and you find yourself typing a similar thing over and over again, that sounds like a function waiting to be written. And you should do that. And then unit test it and then, and, and then test it, right? Like <laughs> you should make sure that that's good. With the dry principle in mind, the next point here is if you are making something, something new, you haven't seen this before, double check it doesn't exist somewhere similar. So make sure if it exists, finds, find a similar component that you can alter if it makes sense to do so. Again, following the easy to change principle, 
find a similar component or process or method or what have you that you can alter before making new, right? Find something that exists already that you can tweak, maybe add something small to it without changing how it normally works, because don't forget, all your unit tests are gonna fail if you break it. <laughs> but maybe there's something where, where you can make something else a little bit more robust versus making something new entirely. Again, under the idea of don't repeat yourself. Don't make the same thing twice. It's just a, a fun reminder. Our next point here, uh, another gift that you can give yourself in the future, future you is going to very much appreciate this, is writing unit tests. <laughs> I know the title of this podcast and after uh, at the end of every episode I talk about don't forget your unit tests. I, I really mean that. Don't forget to write your unit tests for utility files, methods, like whatever, right? Test it, write tests, because guess what? Humans change. And, and for me, at least, when I am looking at something six months in the future, I'm going to entirely forget what I was thinking six months ago <laughs> when I first wrote this. So if you have tests in place, that'll keep you from making future mistakes. So write those tests. <laughs> it's very helpful. For things that you can't write unit tests for, be it the uh, flow of an application or something else, uh, this one's pretty new for me, so uh, I am, I'm definitely one who has just started this process and already thankful about how it's going. Uh, I am already seeing the gift in my lap, <laughs> which is awesome, uh, in front of me here. So, writing integration tests to test everything you can't write unit tests for. You know, it's, it sounds easy. <laughs> it's not nearly as easy, but it's pretty easy. Uh, again, not sponsored here, but I've been starting to use Cypress.js for the front-end integration testing. And it's really easy to use, like, like terrifyingly easy to, to set up here. So I would highly recommend you take a look at that. That's very cool. Another gift that your future you will appreciate if you start wrapping it now is baking time for writing these unit tests and integration tests into the feature as it's being developed. It's, I, I, you know, I can't stress this enough. There simply won't be time later to add these vital pieces to your project. No one wants to work on this after the feature's rolled out. No one wants to. It's it's not the fun type of code, the, not the fun building, right? Like, it's like, oh, I gotta like make sure I coded this right. You know what? Fair. Write that as you're building it. Next point, <laughs> next gift, following this test-driven development. I would give this a shot. Can you make a unit test or an integration test that fails? This is test-driven development, TDD. Can you make this test and have it fail because A, you haven't built the function yet, so obviously it's gonna fail, or B, there's a bug and you haven't fixed it yet, so it's obviously going to fail. <laughs> can, you, can you do that first and then fix the bug and then add the feature and then whatever it is you're doing and then have the test succeed? That is really cool to experience. Again, this is another one that is pretty new to my workflow, and I'm very thankful already for the value I've seen from doing this one practice. It's, it's cool, you get the dopamine rush when the test finally passes, you know it's good because you have tests for it, and you just move on, like it's great. It's a little bit of work at the beginning to get a flow of how this works, and I'm honestly still working through that myself, 
there will probably be a future episode on this. But very handy, very useful. I cannot recommend it enough. Another gift that you might find a little bit helpful is uh, keeping the project decoupled. This follows the principle of making things easy to change and to not repeat yourself, but keep the project decoupled. You don't want everything relying on everything because if you want to change something over here, you can't see my hands, but I'm pointing over in this direction. <laughs> if you change something here, you're, 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 you have no idea what kind of change that'll impact over on this other side where you're relying on things, right? So again, some functions and methods obviously are meant to be used throughout the project. That's where don't repeat yourself is very important. But in, in most cases, you don't want the whole project leaning on random bits of itself that it doesn't need to. <laughs> it's okay to have like one foundation. Don't have 15 of them, right? You don't need something being a foundation for three other things and leaning on eight other things, which might be something it's already leaning on. Like, you just, uh, like, uh, just don't. <laughs> it takes a little bit of effort at the beginning, but once you get a system flowing, it's, it's just easy to follow suit. And again, okay, the final quick present that you can start wrapping now and gift to yourself in the future. Your future you is going to love this. Uh, this is something that uh, I have done once so far. So, I mean, no reason you can't try doing one and see how it goes. <laughs> I've only done it once. Uh, and so far it's been cool. Uh, when you encounter a bug, the bug will be found by a human and have that be found by a human once. That's the rule. Once a human finds this bug, a human should never find this bug again. At least not first. Once you've fixed the bug, hopefully following that test-driven development style, where you actually made a test, a unit test, an integration test, whatever, you wrote a test that'll pass or fail, that automation should be built to ensure you never have to find this bug manually ever again. It's in place, it's sitting here, you run a build, it's gonna test everything. You run a version update, it's gonna test everything. You have all this in place. The automation should find that bug if it ever does dare show itself again. And that way, a human never has to find it again. And hopefully, if a human does find it, you're probably at least a day in advance <laughs> knowing that this bug exists because you have the test that fails the day before. You're like, oh no, this could be a problem. <laughs> and that way, maybe you're already fixing it and maybe there's a fix already out by the time you hear about people finding it, right? That would be really cool. So yeah, again, I've only done this once. I have one of these bug tests in place. Uh, I'm hoping that bug never comes back. And honestly, if it does, I'll be the first to know. I recommend you also do this so that you'll be the first to know. It's a wonderful gift. You can start wrapping now that future you is going to love. And that's it for the episode. We're only a couple days away from Christmas. Thank you for tuning in. And as always, make sure to write your unit tests and make sure they're working. <laughs> I am Matt Dean. You're listening to the Working Unit Tests podcast. And I'm excited to see you next week. Take care. Mm -hmm.